Hey, peace, legs. I'm stuck inside a bar. I'm gonna need somebody to take a really big dig and get me out of here. finally freed from the bong I've been stuck in for a thousand years. It was just a funny thought I had today about a genie that instead of living in a lamp, he lived in a bong, and what he, instead of rubbing it three times or whatever, when you took a hit from that bong, you sucked the genie into your lungs, and when you exhaled, instead of a cloud of smoke, a genie came out and granted you three wishes. We gotta create this comic or whatever. Anyway. This is my first podcast since uh, being displaced by Hurricane Ian, so I'm not in my studio. The mics aren't quite as good. The sound quality is not gonna be muted like my studio was. I'm at my sister's house in Mount Holly, a beautiful place on 11 acres. And then on the other side of the 11 acres is a conservatory, so it's all land. We've been going out in the woods and hiking every day, so it's not been a bad time. And um. This is my first podcast since the hurricane. We're doing it from Mount Holly, North Carolina. My guest today is Chancellor K. Jackson. He uh, wrote the book 14 Days in Beijing, which is ranked number one over 15 times on Amazon in multiple genres. He's also released a romance saga about a man's first step towards gaining emotional intelligence titled You Love and You Learn and Real Love Never Dies. They are all available on Amazon. Check them out. We're gonna go ahead and dive into this with Chancellor Jackson. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs are menacing our society. What are your thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours, thank you for joining us. This is the piece on drugs. On drugs. Hello. What's going on, family? How you living? Doing all right. How you doing? Hey, man, I can't complain. Every day is a great day. The choice is ours. That's it. Um, I'm, we're recording. We're just going to jump right in there. If I need to edit some out, I can, but I think we'll just go go for it. For sure. Let's do it. All right. Where are you at right now? Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. I'm not far. I'm right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. For sure. I got some uh, teammates from the Carolina area south south and north so i'm not up. too familiar with it but i got somewhat of a feel for it just from you know what i'm saying playing football with those boys that's what's up are you a falcons fan of course <laughs> well, well i'm not a panthers fan so we're fighting for the division tomorrow all right, all right that's a bet then we're gonna see what's going on we're gonna see what's up. But the best team win because i can't really talk you know, we, yeah i feel you we, i thought we gave up and then we went and beat the bucks i was like all right well maybe who knows on me, yeah, facts. Yeah, it's still a lot of football to play. Season still early, you know, there's still pretty more games left. So, hey, that's it, man. Well, um, yes, I'm glad we're finally doing this. Um, when we had it scheduled before the storm hit uh, Florida and then um, we ended up up here, so I'm got a little makeshift studio at my sister's house here in Charlotte. And um, mm-hmm. we're just, um, you know, good to have you on, man. Good to be getting back and doing the podcast. On me, for sure. Appreciate you for having me. Definitely. So you wrote the book 14 Days in Beijing, and it's about your time spent in uh, in jail, right? Yes, sir. So, so let's talk about that. Tell me about uh, what, what you got arrested for and, and start there. Yeah. For, so, um, yeah, I got locked up abroad in China for 14 days for 1.4 grams of cannabis. Um, I was locked up for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 men to one cell, nine wooden beds three soups a day, and all I had was one plastic bowl and one plastic spoon, 14 days straight. Nobody knew I was there. No information was explained to me as far as how the process works, how the jail even operates. Um, of course, there's a language barrier, so it ain't like I can communicate with these folks fully anyway. So, right. um, so yeah, you know what I'm, saying? I'm just here to tell you I did 14 days. As you read it, you don't know how long you're going to be here. You just know you're in here. And hey, you know what I'm saying? You don't, you know how, what's going to play out? What's going to take place? But you know, you're going to learn as you go. Yeah. So for 14 days, you were pretty much like in a lockdown. Like you were in a cell by yourself for 14 days. No, nah, I was in a cell with uh, 15 other people, 14 oh. other people. Oh, wow. Anybody else in there speak English? 
for the first three days, no, I was the only foreigner, only uh, English speaker in the sale. So I was in there with 14 other Chinese men. So it was no form of communications for 72 hours wow. for the most part. A lot of reflecting. <laughs> yeah. A lot of reflecting. I mean, like, so I know they have pretty strict drug laws there. Um, and so how, how did you get out after 14 days? Uh, some they just call you to go. <laughs> really? Come on. Yeah. It's, so it was definitely kind of shocking because I wasn't expecting it. It's like, yeah, I'm like, what for real? Uh, but I also had a dream at one point in time while I was um locked up that foreshadowed or at least showed me how my release process would be. Um, and it was very very similar to the dream I had. So I was just crazy when they just finally called me. I was like, wow. It's this time. Let's go. <laughs> you know we got it. Now, did they have any follow up? Um, like, did you have to go to court afterwards or any trouble? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I mean, they arrested me. They arrested me at my apartment. Went to one precinct, then went to another precinct, then to the actual jail, and then after I was released, straight to my apartment, packed up the rest of my stuff. And straight to the airport where I was deported from the country. <laughs> so, so you didn't ask, you know, like, I'm not worried about any court or whatever they're going to try to do, just get out of the country, no more than that. Well, that's just how they process works. I don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? It ain't right. really no court system. You ain't walking before no judge. No, you meet with the warden of the jail. Um, and pretty much he goes over your whole uh, sentencing and process and all that. But I didn't get that treatment for some reason everybody else did but for me i didn't i didn't know i'm just they just telling me to sign stuff and just thumbprint stuff and i'm like i bet yeah i'm in this now did you uh did you buy the cannabis in china or did you bring it i bought it in china is it easy to get there uh yeah uh honestly i wasn't even i, I was under the impression you weren't even gonna be able to find it um yeah. so yeah, it, it was uh quite easy. I was it was quite accessible. You know what I'm saying? If you was you if you know somebody, oh yeah, you can you can get your hands on it for sure. Yeah, and I, and I apologize if you already said this, but um, how long had you been in China before the arrest? Oh uh, no, nah, I ain't even mentioned it. Um, I was in China for six months up until this point. Six months, and what were you there for? Uh, I was uh, teaching English. Oh, that's <laughs> teaching cool. English. Yeah, yeah, it was a vibe. It was a vibe. China was before I get locked up. China was. Man, a very like the best experience I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that is. Like, I encourage everybody to not only travel abroad, but if you can live abroad for some place for a little bit of time, yeah, highly encourage it. Um, it was yeah, it was a, it was a vibe. I enjoyed myself a lot. Um, the experience as a whole was very enlightening as well as entertaining <laughs> for sure. You know what I'm saying? It's truly, truly um, a growing period for sure. You know what I'm saying? You're just in a completely different world essentially. Yeah. Real, you know what I'm everything is taboo, even though life is still the same system wise. As far as people get up, kids go to school, folks go to work, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. Um, but it's still different, you know what I'm saying, even with the simplicities. So, um, it, it just shifts your it just broadens your perspective on just life in general. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> it's a mostly uh, the, the dominant religion there is Buddhism, right. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I just wonder. I wonder what what they hold against uh, cannabis. Why they they outlaw cannabis if it's more of a political thing with the UN? Because I know the UN does it. But why would a Buddhist nation? Because with our country and our Christian capitalism kind of ways, I understand why they they've used cannabis as a, a, a the legal illegalization of cannabis as a weapon against people they didn't want to protest and things like this. But we also have a very dogmatic Christian like. You know, Jesus is what you need. You don't need cannabis kind of mentality. So they sell it. But the the a Buddhist nation just seems like pot goes hand in hand with some Zen Buddhism. Like to me, I don't understand why they're arresting people for it. Oh man, it's, it's communist country at the same time. So it's they just it's it. That's China. Is just is is a country that moves on order and discipline. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. So this is what we've been. This is the tradition over here. This how we've been getting down. So it's like, you gonna come over here, you better get down. If not, <laughs> you're gonna lay down for sure. Um, so that's just how they move. Very, very militant. Yeah, I could see that. So it's, the Buddhism has nothing to do with it. It's the communism and the control yeah. that they that they implement. So um, let me ask you this. So you had a great time there. Um, 
would you ever go back after what happened? For sure. Yeah. Sure. You know what I'm um, I can't go back to 2024, but um, I definitely if to bring everything full circle, I'll go back. Would I go? I wouldn't go all out my way to go back, but you know what I'm saying? If the opportunity presented itself again, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> would you try to buy weed again? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, just quiet. It I mean, sucks, man, you know, because weed to me makes everything a little brighter. That's, I, I, that's how I use it. I use it this morning. Yeah. I used it before I went walking in the woods, and it just makes the day a little brighter. What's yeah. wrong with that? You go to a place like China, it's beautiful. Smoke a little pot. Oh, Sounds like it'd be awesome. Man, and that's the thing. Like, I was smoking the whole time I was out there. I like, but um, for the most part, we smoke a hash. So, um, a hash, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's no real smell to it. You know what I'm saying? You got to roll it with other things or mix it with other things just to be able to um, uh, smoke it. So, man, oh, we'll just make a bong, bottle bong, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And smoke it like that. But just get high and go explore China. Talk about adventures. Man, going to the art district of Beijing, geeked up. Talking about it. just it was journeys, lots and lots of great, great, great journeys. Man, it was a vibe. It was lit. It was lit. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And so I guess this hash is because hash is more condensed, so they can because it's so criminalized there. You're yeah. having more potent, smaller amounts that they can pass around versus a big yeah. bag of weed. Yeah. So. so, so I was gonna ask you, but I think you just answered. Like, how were you smoking a lot before you got caught, or was it pretty much? You, you know, so you you had been smoking there for pretty much the whole time, the whole six months. For essentially, like I ain't really started like buying my own and then smoking for real till probably like month four, I want to say three or four. You know what I'm saying? Once I was about halfway there, um, but yeah, but we definitely you know what I'm saying geeking almost every day <laughs> for sure. Oh, once yeah. we start getting on, but it was mainly the hash stuff. You know what I'm saying? The hash was smooth mix it in the hookah crazy. yeah and, and so it's pretty popular there even even as criminalized as, as it is oh yeah yeah for sure yeah foreigners know what's up you know, saying foreigners know what's up but. yeah so that's funny because like when like donald trump said and i criticized it uh but he said you know you look at countries in, in asia that have heavily criminalized pot and have he heavy penalties for for drugs they don't have drug problems i'm like well if they were if they're arresting people and killing people for drugs you can't say there's no drug problem or they wouldn't be doing that because it wouldn't be drugs <laughs> But um, I just, I want, this, this kind of goes against what they're saying. But yeah, penalties are a lot worse for cannabis over there, but people are still doing it. It's not stopping people from doing yeah. it, right? No facts. <laughs> no facts. It's mainly, I know it's a lot, mainly the foreigners. That's what they, that's what they uh, target, for sure. Because they know, you know what I'm saying? Where we from, traditionally, yeah, we can get down however, but you know what I'm saying? Out there, it's like, nah, I ain't going to be able to do Nah, <laughs> it's yeah. where you from, my boy. You have to tighten yeah. up. So it makes me think of, think of uh, Brittany Griner right now. You know, she's she got called what was it one vape cartridge, and now she's stuck indefinitely in prison in Russia. And it's, it's that's a horrible situation. So yeah, yeah. I feel for people like that. Um, let me ask you this: um, How did you get caught? What was the? How did that go down? Um, I was in my apartment. Um, I'm getting ready to leave. Um, to head to the event. I just got done pre-gaming, so I'm figuring hit this event with friends and colleagues. Um, so I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm making sure I got everything for I get ready to walk out the door. Here, knock at the door, look to the people. It's three officers from the Beijing police. So, of course, I'm spooked. So, I, you know what I'm saying? Scram, put everything up, um, open the door. They answer. And one of them's communicating to me via um, translator app on his phone. He questioned me about drugs. I'm sitting there playing the fool like I don't know what he's talking about. And um, go get my documentation so you could look it over and then you know saying time passed another officer comes into the apartment and they drug test me right there on the spot so i was like oh yeah it's over wait, <laughs> wait they drug tested you right there on the spot how how, how they do that swab mouth swab uh, or hair uh p test they made you pee in the cup mm -hmm. That is so crazy. I've always thought, even in our country, like to get a job, you got to pee in a cup. It's such a ridiculous thing that we allow to do in a free country. Don't yeah. need your urine. What? But for the cops to just because in our country that would never happen. They'll come in and search with you know a no knock warrant and all that bullshit. But yeah. they won't sit there and be like pee in this cup right in front of me. Like I'm like fuck you. I'm not fucking. <laughs> yeah. So and pee into the cup. Um. So do that. Results come back instantly. Fail the drug test, of course. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So now more officers are in the apartment. 
Um, one in particular speaks English fluently. He's questioned me about um, failing the drug test, where I get to be from, was the last time I smoked, da 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 I'm just shooting shit with him, going back and forth. Um, and then once he realized I wasn't going to give him any information that he could work with, he pretty much just made it clear and evident that I was just caught red-handed. Um, they knew, you know what I'm saying, what my stash was and all this. And so I'm like, I bet it is what it is at this point. Yeah. I got to hold myself accountable. So it is what it is. So they, they like, searched your apartment or did they just, or did you just give it to them? No, they searched, they were searching it the whole time because I was talking to them. Oh, oh, they found it. Yeah. So he was like, well, I was like, so he's like, he, he asked me, because he asked me a specific question. He said, are you sure there are any uh, drugs in here? And like a, a bag or a container or something? And as soon as he said that, I was like, this dude here, because I put the stash in my shea butter container, and I put the container inside my Stetson backpack. And wow. I put the backpack up underneath my bed, so he said, in a bag or container or something. I said, oh, yeah, it's over. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, he yeah. said, show me. Get up to show him. Lo and behold, yeah, it's right. You know what I'm saying? They've been found. So I'm like, for sure. Now, were you, were you like, well, did you just accept it? Like, I guess this is what's happening, or, or were you mad? I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. I gotta hold myself accountable. I knew the repercussions of behind this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And especially where I'm at. So the yeah. fact that shit has hit the fan, it is what it is. And I'm still high at this point, too. So I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, damn, bro, this is it's crazy. Like this is happening. Um, nobody knows this is happening. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know I'm gonna be good though. I know I'm going to be good when this oxygen is done. That's what's up. Take note of every minor detail. I said, take note of every minor detail because it's going to be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament. And most importantly, enjoy this high one last time. We don't know what the hell is going to happen to us, boy. You know what I mean? Enjoy this high one last time. And there's some wisdom in that. Um, (laughs) Man, I um, was going to ask you about the, uh, well, I was thinking about accountability, though. Like, yeah, I understand what you're saying that you knew what you were doing and you knew that there would be uh, consequences if you got caught. But I mean, it's not like if you were, if I had a backpack and someone gave me a kilo of cocaine or even cannabis and I'm in another country and I'm about to cross a border, then I know I'm accountable. I, this is yeah. some serious shit that I can go to prison for. And if I get caught, I did what I did. I made this stupid decision. But if I have a little bit of pot on me because I like to get high, I don't think I should be accountable for this. Like, I didn't do anything fucking wrong. I'm not crossing borders or selling. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting a little bit high. And that's my own business. But that's mm-hmm. how it is all over the world, right? It's different over there. They classify all that the same. Uh, we that's up there with meth and uh heroin and <laughs> all the hardcore drugs. That's up there with this up well, there with that. They, it is it is in our country too. The difference is they, uh, they've created separate laws for like cocaine and um, crack and things to where if you get caught with these, there's an 18 to one crack cocaine, which is some bullshit. It used to be 100 to one. Obama made it 18 to one. Why not just one to one? It's the same drug, essentially. But um, so what we do, a cannabis is actually schedule one in this country. So it's right there with um, with heroin, um, cocaine. No, I'm trying to think uh, with heroin, meth, mushrooms, LSD. I'm sorry, I think meth, no, meth is not schedule one. So below cannabis is cocaine, methamphetamine, because it because they can use them um, medically, because methamphetamine is actually prescribed for certain conditions and cocaine is used as well. So yeah, cannabis yeah. is higher than those. But, you know, Biden just pardoned everybody with felony cannabis records, which is a strange thing to do and not also legalize, because you're saying it's, you're saying it's okay that or you're going to forgive them for their past crime, but you're not going to stop more people from getting arrested and having those same charges. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's America, though. <laughs> it's politics and it's money. And I think that's the only thing stopping them. Because you, do you think any politician cares if people get high? Actually, it's like, I I mean, some do because of the, in the propaganda that they were fed. I listened to Chris Christie the other day on Bill Maher, and he was saying, like, you know, I'm against cannabis. I don't think people, I think he you know, calls it marijuana. Most people that aren't for it, we'll call it marijuana, but uh, I'm for uh, criminalization of marijuana. I didn't want it legalized. I don't think people should do it. And it's just, and Bill Maher's sitting there. He's like, I got high this morning. Like, why, why do you care? Matter? But they don't have an answer. They just, they've been, they grew up believing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I talk about my podcast, nobody alive today remembers a world that was before prohibition with drugs. All we remember, my, even our grandparents, they, they, the drugs were criminalized their whole life. So that nobody alive today remembers 
hey, there was a time when people could go get heroin from a doctor and they didn't have a problem. They actually went and lived their lives and worked their jobs and took care of their children. And then they outlawed it. The drugs went to the street. The prices went up. They started committing crimes to get their drugs. The drugs got harder, harder. Now they got fentanyl in them. So that's the only world we know. So when people talk about legalization, they don't think about a world that, that is actually peaceful and people get along and people can use their substances of choice. All they think is the current the drug world looks worse. That's what they see. It's worse. No, it won't be worse, but that's what they see. 100,000 people die from fentanyl, legalize it, it'll be 500,000. That's what they think, even though the reality is it'll be zero, as it is in Switzerland. But <laughs> So, so let's, let's talk about your book. I want to talk about your book a little bit. I haven't read it. I, I just started researching um, what you were into today, and I saw that the book is 14 Days in Beijing. And um, I mean, you were saying when you were in there, you were like, just remember this experience. It's going to be a great story to tell. And then at some point you decided it was not just a good story to tell, but it's a story you wanted to write about. Well, I, I just knew I was going to tell the story. I didn't know how I was going to tell it. I just knew this. I'm finna go, I'm finna go through an experience. You crazy. You think I'm not going to do anything with this experience. I'm going to do something with it. You know what I'm saying? For sure. I, what? I know I'm, I'm supposed to do something with it. I'm, I'm finna go through it. I, me? Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to do something with this, um, I, but I had no clue what, especially at that point. So I'm like, oh yeah, I just know I'm, it's going to be crazy to tell all my friends and family like, boy, y'all ain't going to believe this. Like, <laughs> man, it's going to be a crazy story, but I had no clue I was going to write a book. Um, I didn't get that. Um, I did until one of my friends I grew up with, he was a published author before we graduated high school in 2014. <clears throat> And so he was the one that put the book my ear, like, hey, bro, you should write a book about the experience. I'm like, it's, it's genius. <laughs> it's genius. Yeah, for sure. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> but he was like, all right. He took my phone, one of my notes, and gave me a brief little outline, basic, basic outline. And I just started filling it in. And um, once I started, I caught a flow of how I wanted to go about telling the story. And then I just moved it from my notes to a Google Doc. Started typing it up, and then four months later, the story was written. And then uh, another six months just to get it ready for publishing. That's awesome, man. So you, you did it. You know, when when you accomplish something like that, it's got to feel so good after what you went through to be like, now I got something to show for it. You know, like, this is my life. I'm putting it out there. Oh, me? Yeah. So I, I got locked up on April 4th, 2019. So on April 4th, 2020, I released the first version of 14 Days of Beijing. I was ranked. The number one new bestseller in, th in three different genres while I'm still on pre-sale. That's awesome. Very, yeah. very cool. <laughs> so 14 days. Now you said the first three days, nobody spoke English, but then at some point somebody came in there and you could talk to, right? Well, I was moved to a new sale. Well, me and uh, uh, three other people moved to a new sale. And in that new sale were two English speakers. Um, one was a Chinese American um from california who's fluent in mandarin and english and then the other one was brazilian from brazil but was fluent in both languages well both languages and of course portuguese right um so yeah those are so now i got somebody i can communicate with so it's a, it's a more of a positive vibe now um just because you know what I'm saying? hey we got somebody we can talk to and now we start making some sense of what's going on connecting some dots and that we do um you start learning how the process works and how the jail operates and all of that but we still have no clue how long i'm gonna be here yeah did they have any information did they did they have any information for you that you didn't know before like anything or were they kind of uh, dark they, just like you just not they, they, everybody knew everything about them like their situation everybody knew everything to the t so he was telling they tell me oh yeah this was this is how the process went. Da, 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 when you met with the warden down the hall, he should have told you how long you do. He said he didn't do that. I'm like, nah, bro. <laughs> He's like, oh, wow. He said, like, yeah, so you, you know what I'm saying? You got to do this or you get this. I'm like, bro, these folks ain't explained nothing to me, bro. They just gave me this uniform, this bowl, and this spoon, bro, and threw me in here. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, now, I, I wonder if, um, is that because, because the other guys, you said they also spoke Mandarin. So maybe the warden only spoke Mandarin. So he just, was like, oh, he doesn't speak my language, so I won't. Maybe that's why they didn't talk to you. Probably, I don't know. And then just from my culture, we've been told. I've just been told since I was in the bullfrog 
not talk to the police. So my mouth is closed. I'm not really speaking unless directly spoken to. And it ain't like I can speak to these folks anyway. So right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just it's just it was no communication and they ain't bothering to talk to me. So yeah. Yeah, that's I'm just following order. I'd be scared though, because in our country, you're right. Don't talk to the cops and um and I've always been that way. If cops say, can you search? You say no. That's just a no-brainer. I don't know how, why people say yes if they know they have something. At least try to you know, stop them from searching your shit. Sometimes, you know, yeah, the cops might be corrupt. I had it happen on the way to we were going to a music festival. We get pulled over in an RV, and I didn't know it was a thing that cops did. They, they knew about the festivals, Bonnaroo, big festival. So they knew I was going right by Barnesville, Georgia. I'm not sure if you know where that is. It's right outside of Atlanta somewhere, Barnesville. But um, we got pulled over in Barnesville by these Georgia cops, and they were like, "Can we search your uh, camp or RV?" And I was like, "No, like, no, you can't." And um, they were like, "Well, that's your right, you know, can't search. So we're just gonna get this dog here to walk around. Oh, he smelled something. We're gonna go in and search. So it's like, what was the point of of my right to for you not to be able to search if you're just gonna use a dog and search anyway?" And my buddies are like, "Dude, you just have like I had like two and a half grams of pot." And I was like. And my buddies were like, you're going to be fine. I'm like, no, I'm not, because I know exactly what's going on here. They know we're going to the concert. They're stopping every RV they see to see if they have drugs, and they're making arrests, and that's how they're making the money. It's legal highway robbery. They're not going to let me go, because all they need is the smallest amount to arrest me. And sure enough, as soon as they found it, like, well, we found the drugs. I'm like, good job, man. Good fucking job. Like, you, like, what the hell? Like, they took us to jail. They got us out pretty fast. They just wanted, like, $2,000 uh, when we went back to court. So that was what it was. It was just robbery. And also the federal government get, gives states kickbacks for every drug arrest. That's yeah. something Reagan started. So it's money on both sides, man. They're raking in the yeah. dough. <laughs> the scam. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a little money making. Okay. We see what, right? Yeah. It's all part of the agenda. It is. You know, what I hate about, we live in the Bible Belt, right? So there's like, I'm Charlotte, you're Atlanta. And in even other places like uh, New Orleans, these are some of my favorite cities. Like, I'd love to live here, but it's like all my favorite cities in the South have these strict drug laws. All the cities like Denver and California, they're legalizing. I want my cities to legalize. I want to stay in the South. I don't want to have to go to California or Colorado to smoke legal buds. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Ain't no telling when it's going to come, but it's going to come one day. It's definitely going to come, and I, it needs to happen on the federal level. Like, Joe Biden, what he should have done is legalize cannabis. It would have been the perfect time right before the midterms. He might be waiting. Maybe he's waiting for before the next election because everything's political. It's a strategy. It's not. He doesn't give a shit. But if he, if they do it, they just need to do it. I thought Trump should have done it. I was like, I, I didn't like Trump at all. But if he would have legalized cannabis, he might have got some people. That would have been a smart political move for him, but he didn't do it. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> but um, hopefully it happens They're waiting soon. to pull the trigger. They're waiting you're waiting for the right opportunity. Do you guys have medical in uh, Georgia? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. I think we just got it. That's the stuff. But it ain't, even really, like, yeah, it ain't even really big like that for real. Uh, see, we have it in Florida. And at first, it was real strict. They were like, you have to actually have a legit doctor's note to say Because I went in and I said, yeah, I got PTSD um, from childhood trauma. I just said, you know, they were like, no, you, don't. you have to have an actual doctor's note. So I was like, oh, shit. So I went to a psychiatrist to try to, you know, tell him about my childhood. And he goes, he looks at me and goes, look, you don't have PTSD. And I'm like, ah, he goes, but here's the deal. I'm going to, I'm going to write you a thing that says you do have PTSD because I think if you're buying cannabis at, at a place, it's safer than buying it on the streets because the streets are, they lace it with cocaine to make you addicted to it, which is <laughs> like, no, they don't. But I was like, sure, man. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> like, whatever. So they, but as soon as I went to the doctor, by then they, they had already loosened it up. The doctor goes, why did you need this diagnosis? He goes, you just come in here and tell me you get headaches for all of it. Because I'll give you a prescription. And that's how it is now. It's just a formality. So oh, well. you go in, you pay $250. They give you a card. They tell you basically how to fill it out. You send 75 to the state and then you can buy cannabis. But to me, what that means is that the middle class, the people that can afford that money can smoke legally. And the people, the lower class who can't afford that are still getting arrested. And that's what medical marijuana really looks like is the lower class can still be arrested. We can still profit off arresting them. Mm -hmm. but the middle class don't have to get arrested now because they can pay the right money. It's fucked up. Uh, man, man. Hey, boy, they, they eating. <laughs> <laughs> Them folks eating. I, I, I respect game now. There's one thing I can do. I can respect game. But not, not at the expense of people's lives. 
people oh, think about it. The pe when people, you know, lower class communities, they come, they're coming up, they're, they're already in a worse position than the middle class families with not having the you know, money, the, the money the parents spend on all the extra you know, activities and things. They come up, they want a, a good chance in this world, and then they get arrested when they're young because a lot of them have, you know, problems at home and stuff. So they, they medicate, as I did when I was young, self-medicate with cannabis or other drugs. Then you end up with a, a permanent criminal record before you're 18. So then you yeah. go to get a job and they're like, have you ever been convicted of a crime? You're like, if I say yes, they're not going to hire me. If I say no, hopefully I'll just say no and hope they don't check. And then half the jobs I wanted, they just two weeks later when it came back, they fired me and say you lied about your your um, drug arrest. And it's like, that's a lot of kids' lives, man. They, and a lot of people, like I got lucky, I'm a musician, so I ended up working for myself as a musician in Southwest Florida. It's been great. But for most people, they just end up in a shitty job. They can't get the job they want because of that record. And that's why like, the band, the box movement started. Like they shouldn't, once you've done your time, why the fuck are we asking kids if they've ever been committed of a crime? If you've done your time, then you should, you're, you've paid society, the debt to society, whatever it is, yeah. you shouldn't be still, still being punished for it. And that's what's happening. I mean, Facts, so, right? <laughs> that's what i'm saying i say i understand and respect the game but the game's fucked up i mean but i guess what you say if the game's yeah. fucked up and you want to you know you can capitalize on it and profit on it or you can fight the game which is what i'm trying to do there's not a lot of profit in fighting it <laughs> <laughs> i mean man just trying to get through this maze man it's, yes. it's a journey so before i let you go i want to ask you real quick about your other two books you have two other books for the saga that you're working on yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'll be all three books is one trilogy essentially. Um, but the last two books are romance stories. Um, and they, you know, what I'm saying part one, part two, essentially. Um, so and it's pretty much a man, it still it's based on a true story, and it's pretty much a prequel of 14 Days. Because as you read 14 Days, I had a girlfriend at the time that I speak of throughout the story, but I don't get a chance to actually speak to her. Um, and a lot of the females that was reading 14 Days asked me about, you know what I'm saying, what happened to the old girl, because I was talking about her in the book, but I don't really get to talk to her. And then I get out, and that's just the end of the story. So they wanted to tea on that. Um, so it's pretty much the prequel to give you a background of how me and her started in college. And then, um, of course, now you have 14 Days. And then... Real Love Never Dies, and Real Love Never Dies being the last book, it it takes you through where, of course, you love, you learn, leaves off, like early college. Then, of course, me going into just now real life, now me going to China, now me um, living my best life in China, and then, of course, what took place after those 14 days. So it just brings the whole story. It just connects the entire story, essentially. Um, so it's all three books are just one long story, um, but completely different times. <laughs> yeah, That's very, very cool. I like that. Now, are you going to um, continue writing? Are, are you write, Are you going to get into writing fiction and stuff, or do you think you're going to stay with true life? Um, yeah, I, I'm, look, I'm definitely going to continue write. Um, I, fiction, I'm sure I'll probably get into it eventually. I wouldn't say I would. I, after 14 days, I thought that was going to be the only book. I'm like, I don't see myself writing anything else. And then boom. <laughs> so uh, clearly I'm, I'm going to be writing books for the rest of my life. But when will the next book be? I don't even know. Couldn't even tell you. But right now I'm just uh, coaching and helping other aspiring authors with their process, book writing process and publishing process. That's um, very cool, man. Right I, I love I love writing. I've not published anything. I just kind of do it for myself, but I write fiction and short stories and stuff. And it's just sure. it, going into that space is fun. M music's my main thing. So we write songs and we're we're gonna be releasing albums. So that's the things I'll actually release. But but who knows down the road I might try to actually release something that I've written. It's it's just so getting in your own world and just letting it loose on the pages. It's, it's isn't that yeah. amazing? It's a zone for sure. It's a zone. <laughs> it's a zone for sure. Yeah, and it's like when you're sitting writing, it's like weird, and the words start coming out. It feels like you hear writer, other writers talking about how it feels like it comes from somewhere else. Like you're mm -hmm. just like it's coming through you and, and onto the pages. It's a very strange you, feeling to just you're releasing it. Yeah, yeah. It's, and also, it's almost like you're getting to read it while you're writing it. Like like you're reading the story, but you're the one writing it at the same time. It's it's really cool. I mean, you feel amazing. You feel relief uh, um, and empowered after you know what I'm saying you finally get it all on paper. 
for sure. Now you have a whole different look and perspective about it, looking at it now as a document versus it's just all in your head. And you know what I'm saying? For sure, you just, you didn't let it go. And now you just, okay, now I have something versus, you know what I'm saying? Just distress or just uh, anxiety or, you know what I'm saying? Monkey on my back, whatever you want to consider it as. But yeah, it's therapeutic. Definitely, definitely is. So um, so what's your next adventure? Do you have anything else lined up? You said you can't go back to China in 2024. Are you thinking about going yeah. somewhere else? Um, yeah, I got a whole list of places I want to travel to. Which one will be first on the board? I have no clue. I have no clue. Um, I'm still laying down this foundation in grind mode right now. But um, definitely... Yeah, it's going, I want to do something, something lit for sure. Something lit. Is Peru on your list? Peru? Yeah. Uh, Nah, I got it though. <laughs> you heard, have you heard about the ayahuasca sessions down there? Uh-uh. You know what ayahuasca is? It name sound familiar. It's, it's, a, it's the old, it's a, it's a DMT trip, but it's a very okay. powerful psychedelic, but you drink it with the shaman in the, in the rainforest in Peru and, I've not done it. I've smoked DMT and that's in a whole nother world, but I, I want to go to Peru and do the actual sit with the shaman and go into that other, it's, a, it's like going into another dimension. It's really cool and bizarre. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think it's a, it feels like a real place. It doesn't feel like a dream. It feels like you're actually like communicating with the earth on a different level. It's weird, but it's really, really well, powerful. Well, it sounded lit. Yeah, it sounded lit. <laughs> For sure. Oh. So if you if you what, what would be your next place you think if you go like Amsterdam what are you thinking like uh, Australia what what if you anywhere in the world right now where you um, I got just so many places I want to hit Canada I want to hit Amsterdam I want to hit Australia I want to hit uh, um, Thailand I want to hit Japan I want to hit uh, the motherland of course South Africa um, Nigeria um, Rwanda. Um, not, oh, India. Yeah, I want to slide to India too. Or India. Yeah, I want to slide to India. I think India will be lit. Um, oh, yeah. There's, a, there's quite a few places I want to hit for sure. I definitely want to check out India for, uh, for specific reasons, uh, spiritual reasons. Like, there, I read in this book Ramdas wrote about dying, and he said that there was this place in India by this water, the water's supposed to be like mystical or magical or whatever. And people would die, were sick and dying, they would go die by the water. That was where they wanted to die. So when he was young, he went to the street, you know, as, as an American, and he sees all these people dying in the streets. And he felt, he's like, I felt so bad for him. He's like, why aren't they being helped? Why aren't they in a the hospital? And he was just feeling horrible for him. And he, and he didn't understand at the time that they were where they wanted to be and that they were feeling sorry for him because he was the one lost is the way they looked at it. They're like, where were we were supposed to be? But you're thinking we need to be in some hospital when we're, exactly you know so he learned it was a whole spiritual learning from him that we're too afraid of death in the west we don't see it we put it we box it up in rooms and we hide from it and then we grieve in strange ways whereas they accept it there and it's like i have i'm scared of death i'm not gonna lie but i, I want to have that experience to learn a little because because of my fear of death honestly oh me yeah i got some i got some uh colleagues in uh india i've been working with since 2020 um I heard and I heard India is very, very cheap, especially it's expensive to get over there. But once you're there, oh man, you can go all day for like ten dollars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can, yeah, oh yeah, it's cheap for real. So yeah, I definitely wanna and he was telling me there's some mountains out there where uh you can smoke weed. Um and it's a vibe because you get to you gotta hike up to the hike up the mountains and it's like a whole little community up there. And you know, saying I can smoke cannabis is cannabis friends, so you can smoke and they got hash and all that type of shit out there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just not like a vibe. <laughs> that's just not like a vibe. I definitely want to start. That would be super, super awesome. Going up into a mountain with some monks and some Buddhist monks and, and hire some Man. Hindu shaman or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That would be so cool just to be there, man. I've, I've not traveled abroad, honestly, other than I've been to the islands, you know, um, the Cayman Islands and um, Bahamas and stuff, but I really wanted to get traveling. I got my passport for my first time in 2020. We were going to yeah. Puerto Rico and then that shut down. So, and then the hurricane just hit. We're supposed to again this year's or February, I'm supposed to go to Puerto Rico. We rebooked the trip from 2020 and then I lost everything in the hurricane. So, I'm like, I doubt I'm going to go to Puerto Rico now in February. 
there's a chance, but it's not likely. And uh, Puerto Rico is still not that far. It's not really abroad, right? I want to go to Europe. Oh, yeah. I want to go to uh, Spain. I really want to go to Greece. That's the foundation of, of Western culture happened in Greece. I just like to see the history there in Rome, stuff like that. Oh, me, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I'm going here London, too. I've been in London twice, but that's when I was a kid, so I definitely want to go now that I'm an adult. And the experience traveling, oh, yeah, I know. And, and I can speak English? Oh, yeah, this is going to Wow, well, London be lit. Yeah, I want to go. To, I want to go record at uh, Abbey Road Studios. That's on my bucket list for sure. That'd be uh, oh yeah, that'd be too hard. <laughs> Hell yeah, that'd be yeah. I definitely want to do some exploring also in Australia, like some scuba diving or something like that down there. Would be awesome. Yeah, I know. I got I know a couple folks that's out there and that I met in college. You know what I'm saying? Every last one of them cool down to earth people. So I'm like, yeah, I want to see what the, the land itself is talking about just because y'all y'all good people. Hell yeah. One thing that sucks about countries like in Asia and apparently I think Australia is, you know, can't bring pot and be careful when you're in those countries because they're some for some reason super strict about drugs. I mean, in Malaysia, they'll murder you if you get yeah. drugs. Like, <laughs> Or no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the Philippines. I don't know about Malaysia is probably pretty bad too, but the Philippines they'll, they'll murder you. But um, I'm gonna ask you one last question. I forgot to ask you. Did they do? Did they charge you any fines or anything when you got out? Did you have to pay anything? Uh, no, like I mean, come on, all right. Yeah, throw your clothes on, all right. Sign this, all right. Thumbprint, all right. We in the van. And wow. Straight to the apartment. Pack up, all right. Back in the van. Straight to the airport. Here go your ticket. <laughs> Escort me to the gate. Watch me get up. Watch me get on the ramp. <laughs> and that's it. That's crazy. To me, it's like, what, what was their incentive to arrest you? They had to feed you for, I mean, they, granted, they fed you probably cheap as shit because they said just a few bowls of soup. But uh, but still, they had to feed you, house you. They didn't charge you anything. And then they, they put you on a plane. It's like, what was their incentive? In our country, they're charging you. The probation officers are making money. Lawyers are making money. The government's getting money. There's a lot of incentive to arrest people for pot. But it sounds like they just lost money on that deal. <laughs> yeah, I, was just, uh, I don't know. What was the purpose? I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, was, I, was, I knew I was supposed to go through it for sure um just to you know what i'm saying be here to find well just to find myself one i needed to go through all of that just to be able to tell you who i am today and what i got going on and you know what i'm saying showcase my spirit and not only that you know what i'm saying i got a story out of it i'm saying a, a hell of one a hell of a good one you know what i'm saying for sure that's what's up so I'm gonna. Um, I was gonna ask you. That I'm gonna go a little more detail about the 14 days. But the, re- the thing is, is to read your book. That's where you're gonna get that information. Is get the book, read the book, and I'll, I'm gonna have to check that book out because I'm curious. How you know? Because I'm sure once you started putting on the pages, you got went into those memories and really you know soaked them in and put them on paper, so you really can have that experience. And I, I love to read stuff like that, real real life. Yeah, it was a, it was crazy to me because um, once I got I got back to America in April. You know what I'm saying? The same month. Just, um, so, but I ain't start writing the book till like July. So from April to July, I just, you know what I'm saying? It was just in my, on my conscious and subconscious. And, but it wasn't until I started writing the story, like you said. And that's when you get really tapping into that zone and you reliving everything. I got to, I really relived everything. And it was, it was it, I st- still shocked me to this day how I was able to, man, take note of every minor detail <laughs> I did like I told myself to all the way to the conversations that I had specifically with certain people and how to work for, you know what I'm saying I'm just man this is crazy this is amazing I, and for me to have it on my mental for this span of time and now I'm just now putting it on paper I'm like man it's crazy as I know I was, I was supposed to write this story I'm supposed to write this story for sure hell yeah hell yeah man well I'm glad you came on the podcast to share your story and I love that you wrote this book. It's awesome. People, people need to hear stories like this. People need to understand that why are good people going to jail in different countries and having all these things happen for something as simple as cannabis, which isn't harming anybody. So uh, is there anything else you want to add to the conversation before we wrap this up? Yeah. 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 I'm going to leave y'all with a quote uh, by Nipsey Hussle. Uh, For y'all that don't know who Nipsey Hussle is, um, He's a rapper from South Central, Los Angeles, um, serial entrepreneur, you know what I'm saying? All in all, 
you know what I'm saying, jack of all trades, you know what I'm saying, self-made, independent. Um, and he started on the same block he grew up in, you know what I'm saying, the same community. Um, um, but the quote goes, like, you long-winded, running through this life like it was mine, never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 burpees on the paths of my own self-destruction or success. But what's a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teaching life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. So who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? Whatever you choose to do, I'm get your heart to it. Stay strong. Oh, yeah, man. I love that. And that definitely, I can relate to it right now. That's what I need to hear after what we just went through with the hurricane, man. When I text you about it, you, you said something inspirational back to me about it. And it is, it's how you handle your situation. Everybody has things happen. And you say, is this going to break me? Is this going to make me stronger? Oh, man. <laughs> That's it, man. Well, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to tell you again, may the best team win tomorrow. We'll be watching that game. <laughs> Fighting for the division. I never... I mean, we're not, but anyway, it's going to be great. And then we, in less than two weeks, we play you again in Charlotte. I'm going to that game Thursday night. Okay, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be lit. <laughs> All right, well, Chancellor, man, it was great talking with you. Uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Can't wait to read your book. Hey, appreciate you, family. All right. God bless. Peace. Peace. All right, peace, Nicks. I ended with God bless. I don't think I've ever said that in my life. Um, that just shows I've been here in North Carolina for a while. This place is starting to rub off on me. There's nothing wrong with that though. God bless, peace out. It's all good. Um, I just wanna say if you enjoy what we're doing here at the Peace on Drugs Podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Peace on Drugs Podcast. And if you like what we're doing and you wanna be reminded when we have podcast release, go to www.thepeaceondrugs.com slash subscribe subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thanks for being a part of this movement. And I'm glad to be back after Hurricane Ian. We are rebuilding our lives. We're finding ourselves in this amazing place, walking in the woods every day, hiking. We went to South Mountain and saw these waterfalls. I'm sitting out here on my the back porch of my sister's house, surrounded by woods. The leaves are changing. It's therapeutic. It's a form of meditation. I go, we go walking in the woods, sometimes we don't say a word. We just walk and just are in the moment with the forest. I'm also reading this amazing book. Um, hold on, let me grab it real fast. All right, I got the book right here. It's called Entangled Life, How Fungi Make Our Worlds, Change Our Minds and Shape Our Futures. It's by Merlin Sheldrake. Um, amazing book about fungus and just how these things we don't ever think about, like how the forest is actually this whole breathing, almost organism. They all work on each other. The mycelium from the mushrooms, uh, let's just say the mycelium is like the tree that grows under the ground. The mushrooms are actually just the fruiting bodies. Think of like apples on an apple tree. And it's just such a fascinating story about fungus. And one of the most amazing ones that I read about, are, that one of the ones I love the most too, are truffles. Truffles grow under the ground. And you know, you know, we all heard about, you know, having a truffle pig or a truffle dog and how truffles are really expensive, but we don't, I didn't know much more than that about them. I watched the movie Pig with Nicolas Cage, highly recommend that movie. Um, really cool story, almost a fight club, but with culinary in the Portland, Oregon scene. It's, it's really cool. But um, it starts with, I, I'll just watch the movie, Pig. Anyway, truffles grow under the ground. And this is the last thing I'm gonna nerd out on about mushrooms and I'm gonna let you guys go. But um, truffles grow underneath the ground, but the reason mushrooms exist is because they're spores. That's how, uh, that's how the, the plant propagates. That's how it spreads its, you know, like an apple drops, a plant drops and, or a tree drops the apple, an animal picks up the apple to eat it, takes the apple somewhere else, throws the core away, the seeds go in the ground, another apple tree grows. That's how the apple tree spreads. So how mushrooms spread is they sprout mushrooms above the soil and the wind picks up the spores or the spores can sp spread by animals eating them, by humans eating them. When I'm eating psychedelic mushrooms and I'm dropping them around places, who knows, maybe psychedelic mushrooms are being spread and that's what their purpose is. But that's the point is that the spores spread and they fly through the air, they float through the air, they may be picked up in storms. Um, you know, there was reading about orchids, about how orchids, some orchids come from hurricanes in South America, or come from South America, are picked up in winds and are dropped off by hurricanes in Florida and end up in the Everglades. Pretty cool stuff. So 
how does a truffle that grows under the ground spread its spores? And the reason is, is it evolved to create the most delicious aromas that would be attracted by you know, humans, by uh, dogs, pigs, all these different animals that would dig them up and then eat them. And then when they would um, take a shit, I don't know, I'm not being very scientific here, but the, the spores would be there and the mushrooms or the, the uh, truffles could grow there. So because of the how they had to spread, they purposely became super delicious. And I love truffles. Actually, I don't know if I've even had real truffles. I just, I love truffle oil. I love that flavor, but it's probably artificial. But now I have to, next time we travel, if we go somewhere that has fresh truffles. Also, I found out that there is wild truffles in the North Carolina mountains. And I want to try to go truffle hunting sometime. Don't know if I'll make it while I'm here because we're about to get back to Florida. Anyway, this book is super fascinating if you're into stuff like that. Entangled Life. Highly recommend it. Anyway, it was great talking with Chancellor, getting to know someone that's not even far. He's like four hours down in Atlanta and um, you know, told his story. You heard it. Great time. I love this. I love doing this podcast. And um, I'm just going to say one last thing, and that is peace out. out. out.